Welcome back to the Unrequited Love of a Koala podcast and tavern. Tonight's special, we have this beer I found in the back. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an IPA. Maybe it's a dark beer. Craft beer? Mm-hmm. The label's been ripped off. All I'm asking is you buy it. It's been for way too long. If my boss finds it, I'm fired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to an unlikely void, guys. <laughs> uh, how's Why, everybody, hi. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, pretty pretty good. good. This is uh, this is Mara, since I think we're supposed to introduce ourselves, right? Made of 100% marzipan. Delicious. This is your boy, uh, Joshua Gaunt, Big Daddy. Daddy's here. Daddy's mm. ready to play. Mm. Oof. Mm. Mm. This is Yao. Nice. Yeah, you went for the the short intro today. Nice. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a dominance thing. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I do have um, some things I need to get off my chest before we get started with our our topic today. <clears throat> this is news from the void. And here's uh, the, here's where the uh, theme music is going to play, but uh, I haven't finished it yet. But it's gonna be. <laughs> it's gonna. It's gonna be like news theme music. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Welcome I, to a, a procrastination podcast. <laughs> I, it's mostly done. It's just not ready to drop in yet. <laughs> also, I'm just gonna leave this over the top of it. So we're gonna end on a very positive note. Um, mm. We're gonna start on a very stupid note. Are you guys familiar with Blabbermouth.net? No, but it sounds self-descriptive. It yeah, is. It's- it is less self-descriptive than you would think it is. It is like... It's not the onion? No. No, it is all real news oh. about uh, rock and metal, uh, and it's stupid. It's like tabloid bullshit, but for, like, metal. <laughs> and I hate it. How about it? I hate it so much, but I look at it. Um, <clears throat> so there's, a, a, there's an important uh, headline that I saw on the 15th that I felt like I should report on. Cheap Tricks Rick Nielsen... Quote, I was the first guy to ever take Bon Scott from ACDC to have Mexican food. <laughs> what? <laughs> Quote, I had Angus Young and Malcolm Young and Cliff Williams. They came to my house in 1979. I was the first guy to ever take Bon Scott to have Mexican food. He had a taco and scotch. They were sweet guys. <laughs> this, this is news. That's new. uh... He had a taco. <laughs> <laughs> An Australian guy. They're so dry. They're like... <laughs> Australian so thought, guy had a taco for the first time, thanks to Rick Nielsen. <laughs> this is actually a really good time to, for me to introduce that I'm having a career change. I'm going to be a journalist for blabbermouth.com. Yeah, you, you can. because it's that hard. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> you, just email, you just email old rock stars and be like, you ever eat a taco? And they're like, well, yes, but have you heard about eggs? Like, it's written for you. That reminds me of a very specific person who also hadn't had Mexican food until their significant other. Oh, yeah. Out. No, yeah. it was Chinese food. 
Oh, yeah, that was it was Chinese food. Yeah, yeah. Twenty oh. odd years of their life, never having Chinese. Old food. Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> old Jimmy, Jimmy never and had then Chinese. He was food. like, it was pretty all right. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy. Is this the same sweet person who didn't know what a chickpea was? Yep, and the same person didn't have a burrito. Well, still hasn't had a burrito. Only goes to Taco Bell to get tacos, and has still in his whole life never had a burrito. <laughs> I can't avoid burritos. <laughs> like I, I don't even try to eat them. They just end up in my mouth. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, real half hanging out. Where this little sucker? <laughs> the most important thing, the, the negative thing that I got to get off my chest. The, the good news about it is that Ice T's body count won the Grammy for best metal performance, which I don't give a shit about the Grammys. I don't give a fuck about award ceremonies. I don't, they're meaningless. It's, it's just nepotism and bullshit and whatever. However, mm-hmm. Body Count's been doing this shit for like 30 years. Uh, I believe that they're like the first all-black metal band to receive a, a, a Grammy, which is cool. Ice tea, Like? Yes. Ice tea, Ice tea. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I didn't even know a side gig of his. Yeah, like, I guess a lot of people don't realize this, that he's been in a crossover thrash band for the past 30 years. They were super... No idea. They were super infamous in, like, the early 90s because they wrote a song called Cop Killer, and it <laughs> fucking ruled. I am a Body Count fan. I I mean, I'm an Ice-T fan as well. Fucking rules. See, when you said Body Count, I thought you meant, like, because you're like, yeah, Ice-T's Body Count. And I was like, <laughs> he just had sex with another person? Only Coco, baby. Only <laughs> Coco. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he went, like, on a rampage and he was taking him down. <laughs> it's over 9,000! <laughs> Hit the button, hit the button, hit the button. It's over 9,000! There we go. Hot Thank button. you. The, the thing that I have to get off my chest about this is that I read comments on news articles about Body Count winning this Grammy, and I shouldn't. It's got a bunch of fucking nine-year-olds that have been listening to metal for like five years that go off, sis. are like, uh, <laughs> Body Count isn't even metal. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Or like, they gave the best metal performance to a rapper. Yes, Ice-T is a rapper. He doesn't rap in body count. <laughs> like it's it's he's like, multifaceted. Yeah. You uncultured swine. Exactly. And uh like body count is not like rap metal or anything like that. It is just a crossover thrash band fronted by Ice T, who is a rapper as well. I'm just gonna put it out there. A, these people obviously haven't bothered to listen to body count. And are they're, they're, they're fucking posers. I'll, I'll just fucking say it because I'm an elitist. Uh, <laughs> B, uh, I'm just going to call it what it is. I think it's kind of racist. <laughs> I think, it's, yeah. I think okay. it's white dudes that are mad that a rapper won uh, uh, best metal performance and it feels like a threat to them. And they're making a lot of assumptions about this and uh, it's fucking racist and fuck all these fucking idiots. Body count fucking rules. Suck it. I was going to say, like, usually the comment section on anything that has anything to do with anything newsworthy is rampant with racism Racist or misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> yep. For no reason. <laughs> the, yep. the local pig won the uh, circus award and they're like, fuck, black people? Disgusting. <laughs> oh, God. Like, bro, bro, yeah. chill. <laughs> also, I feel like our, our listeners need to know that when, when my father, Big Daddy Josh, <laughs> talks about metal. He knows what he's talking about. This man fronted a corn cover band for 20 no, years. No, I My did God. not. 
God damn it. <laughs> they were ripping and rolling. All right. It's not fucking ripping true. Ripping and rolling. I hate corn so fucking much. God damn it. Josh, y'all. it's time to get over them kicking you out. All right? <laughs> you, were, you were a legend. A legend in the, in the, in the greater uh, Midwest region. I hate See, you. See, this, this so actually much, wraps y'all. back around. This wraps back around to tacos. So the reason why corn kicked Josh out of their band is oh because when they went in for corn tortillas, he asked for wheat. It's really idiot. You know what? One thing I love corn tortillas. I love corn tortillas, and I hate the band Corn. I hate new metal. <laughs> Have you listened to that fucking intro music? That is not new metal, like motherfuckers. Uh, did you uh, make it recently? Yes, uh, I record. I I wrote that. New. I wrote that for this show. Uh, it is. It is new. Oh my! Not new. N e w n u. Never mind. Anyway, positive news. We're going to end on a positive note, and then we're going to get into our topic for the day. Yoshiki from X Japan, which is one of my favorite hey. bands. Yeah, I I'm a huge X Japan fan. I I rep X Japan on my battle jacket. Yoshiki is fucking amazing. Yoshiki is getting the Medal with the Dark Blue Ribbon. <laughs> uh, it, it is a Japanese Medal of Honor uh, because he donated $100,000 to Japan's National Center for Global Health and Medicine at wow. the beginning of the pandemic uh, <laughs> for, to wow. help research COVID-19 pandemic and shit. Um, Yoshiki is fucking shout amazing. Out. And so shouts out to uh, Yoshiki for consistently being we know you're listening. exceptional human being. We know you're <laughs> out there. We know you're listening. Uh, we are X, baby. I don't know what we're talking about, but that's lit. You know, all X, of America's rich people just X, make themselves richer off of uh, minorities' backs. But <laughs> this dude, he's lit. Fucking Hashtag lit. lit stamp. Yep. I feel uh, like every member... Every member of X Japan has been such a really wholesome and yeah. like really good representation of the heart of what it means to like represent unity. So 100%. it's not a surprise to me, but that's really, really cool. Yeah. Get it, Yoshiki. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, please, uh, Yoshiki, if you're listening, I know you are. Uh, please come back to the United States. Um, I never got to see you. Anyway, so <laughs> moving on. Uh, let's Josh, go. don't worry. We we got stimmy checks, so we can just oh, buy them. Yeah, 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 baby. We going to Japan on those stimmies. <laughs> Give me the whole X. I want the whole X. I want the whole X. <laughs> not, not just one of the slashes, but the other one, too. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Today we're gonna we're gonna talk about anime. <laughs> Speaking of Japan, because uh, we're all nice. a bunch of fucking uh, weebs. I guess. It was it was my idea for the topic, so it's I'll like, just I'll just take that. It's, um, I, it's relevant. To all, it's it is one of the things that we have the most in common. I would I would say honestly, like I mean, that's kind of how Mara and I bonded initially. I mean, we've known each other what twelve. 13 years, something like that now. 12, 13. That sounds Somewhere good. around there. I, I've lost track. But like, I, I remember the first time that uh, we talked to each other, it was because we were like talking about like J-Rock or, or uh, Visual K or something. And I actually think um, X-Japan was a part of that first I'm conversation. pretty so. sure. I might have been wearing my X-Japan shirt that is now the back patch on my, on my battle jacket. Uh, so that shirt's been with me for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, so Mara and I absolutely initially bonded on uh, our love for Japanese stuff, which, of course, a huge part of is our love for anime and manga. Um, and Yao, 
obviously, even though we, <laughs> there's a big generational gap there. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, bless up to Toonami. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's a, that's a big difference. I didn't really watch much Toonami. See, that was the only way I got it. Yeah. You waited until Saturday nights and you, and you, you started out like six. You got your, your basic level. You, you had your like, uh. Oh, shoot. Probably your Yu-Gi-Oh's to start. <laughs> then it was slowly transferred to like a Naruto. Then a Dragon Ball Z. Then later, when I had to go to bed because Adult Swim, no, 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 for a young boy. Yeah. Then you get your bleaches. <laughs> oh, One Piece was also on. See, see, that's that's also so a big difference for me, too, because I watched Toonami also, but it was different. When I watched it, we had um, Sailor Moon mm-hmm. and Gundam Wing was a big thing. <laughs> that was my... Mecha time. Um, And I think like Dragon Ball Z that's been on like consistently, but you know, like I started watching, I'm not like super into Naruto, but I started watching it um, when it had just come out in Japan. And so it was many, many years later before it made it to like English dubbing. (laughs) Did you watch it on Crunchyroll before Crunchyroll became legit? Yeah, yeah. It was. Crunchyroll's uh, not new. I was no. Crunchyroll was Crunchyroll was that. Crunchyroll was a like an illegal website <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> it was like fan subbed videos and stuff. Yeah, and then it and then they it ended up becoming like a legit website. But it was it was sketchy like early on. But it was like kind of the only way that you could watch certain things years and years ago yeah Yeah, that's that's you know again this is originally why i thought uh this topic would be interesting for the podcast because it's something we have in common and we all have different experiences with how we accessed subculture growing up because i know for josh and myself uh things weren't as accessible as they might have been you know when yeah was younger and getting into it um crunchyroll and things like that aside I, i remember most of my access to a lot of what i found was through like rotation blogs on live journal um <laughs> stuff like that yeah wh- uh yeah. when did you get your first live journal <laughs> i don't even know like i don't even know what that is okay, okay. Is that <laughs> one where you make little characters and they do like weird dances on each other and they look like barbies no i think that's imvu and live journal was like a blog <laughs> <laughs> honestly i don't even know what a blog is anymore is that like reddit it's like a <laughs> no. It's it's a place where a lot of young people would put their like sad poetry and they'd spend hours making really cute layouts um, and like big picture graphics that said friends only and it was friend locked and then you could join communities of people kind of like Reddit that were interested in the same things as you and it was the hub for sharing things that you couldn't find elsewhere totally legally. definitely yeah. legally yeah i mean that's that's how i had to find a lot of like uh the j-rock and and stuff that i listened to is <laughs> like blogger uh like music blogs that would share like rapid what was it called rapid share or whatever rapid rapid file. share or like mega upload mega upload something yeah like you know because like i could oh mega upload still a thing yeah okay. yeah i'm here now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah mega mega upload still around yeah uh they they went through some uh legal trouble and then came back i bet yeah <laughs> there's but, a bunch of stuff on there that should not be there <laughs> yeah well the thing about like rotation blogs and journals is that you could catalog things. So, you know, they would have like J-drama rotation blogs where uh, if somebody posted like a link to something, 
then it was cataloged. And so on the sidebar, you could click like the name of the series or the band or whatever you were looking for. And all the links associated with that would be shoved over there. So it was like a directory for all the stuff you were interested in. And pretty much the only way to access most of it. Yeah. yeah. What a, what a prehistoric time. <laughs> when I was growing up, like you, you had your Toonami. All right. Then you had the video games. I'm talking about your Dragon Ball Z Budokais. I'm talking about the yeah. weird One Piece games that never took off. <laughs> so there's just so many ways to consume it. And then by the time I got to around middle school, everybody had Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And then Netflix came out with their streaming. And then that's when I started getting oh back God. into anime. So, I could just watch it now. This is so and then, far. then I found out about all those illegal sites you can get on, like <laughs> Kiss Anime and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Then it just took off from there. Then I was consuming anime at disgusting rates. Sure, sure. You know, Dragon Ball Z was like a huge thing for both of you guys. I was super late to watching Dragon Ball Z. I watched some Dragon Ball, like the original Dragon Ball series when when I was a kid, before they started showing like Dragon Ball Z on like TV here and stuff. Like, so this was like mid to, you know, like around the mid 90s or so that I, I was getting like Dragon Ball VHSs and stuff. But I didn't really watch Dragon Ball Z until like the 2000s. And I still haven't seen like the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot to, <laughs> to watch. Um, but my introduction to anime, the thing about it is like gr- growing up in the 80s, as much of the 80s as, as I remember, there were a lot of cartoons in the 80s and, and early 90s that were anime, but we didn't really realize that it was. <laughs> um, like Robotech yeah. is, is a really good example of that. Robotech, like when you're a kid, you didn't realize that Robotech was anime because it wasn't really established like anime as a thing in America yet. It was just this cartoon that's really cool that has like robots that transform into airplanes. And it's kind of like Transformers, but kind of different. And then, you, you know, I found out like much later, like, oh, it's actually this series called Macross, <laughs> you know, that's from Japan. That makes a lot of sense because that's how, so, how like I felt about, like I didn't know that Pokemon, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! And like Bakugan and stuff like that, like the card games. And like uh, lighter animes for children yeah. uh, were actually anime. I thought it was just cartoons. And then first, longest time I was like, yeah, Pokemon's made in Korea. <laughs> so it's not anime. <laughs> Neither of those things are true. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it is not unheard of for animation studios to ship out their uh, animation duties to Korea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is not we do it all the time of. here, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> all the best cartoons out are all made, like all produced in Korea. <laughs> That's true. I actually was going to um, say another thing that I never thought of as like actually Japanese when I was little was Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really like, oh, put yeah. it together at yeah. first myself. I was actually just thinking about that when I was trying to think of like, what am I going to like talk about on, on this episode? <laughs> Super Sentai. Super Sentai is a big thing where like I understood that it's somehow related to Japanese media i i understood like this is from japan somehow but i didn't get that they actually pulled footage from a existing tv show i thought it was like a readaptation of something in japan i didn't realize that like they kind of like took half of every episode and like recut shit <laughs> and and like built a new like story with new characters out of it and it took me a little bit actually like from like buying like power rangers 
like fan magazines and stuff. Uh, I kind of like piece <laughs> together. Very, like, that's very Josh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that makes sense. Like 11 year old me or whatever. Like when did, oh, when did it start? I would have been nine when it started. So like nine. 25 year old Josh. 25 year old Josh buying. In his Daisy Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> Shorts are supposed to be short. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I pieced together from like reading these like Power Rangers magazines. Like, oh, okay, this is a show called Super Sentai, and, you know, I figured out how they did it. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I just really need to hit on this topic. Because, mm-hmm. like, magazines and, like, your, like, serialized uh, readings, and that's the only way you could find information. Yeah. It was, like, such a, like, a, uh, like a dream to me. Like, I was there for a little <laughs> bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, all those years where you're just like, oh, man, you can only do this thing in this one game if you do X, Y, Z, and it was all fake. <laughs> or like you get like Dragon Ball Z magazines and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Seems like such a fever dream. If that wasn't even a thing at some point. You yeah, I mean, you, you would have been tiny when that was still a thing. That you know, it was it was on its way mm-hmm. out by the time like the early two thousands were rolling around. Yeah, that's a that's a good point too. And just to piggyback off of what you said, Yao, um, I remember like my first access to Naruto or One Piece was through Shonen Jump, the big magazine that you could get that would have like different shonen like manga samples that you could read chapter by chapter for mm-hmm. different things mm-hmm. and like i remember when you could find that at the grocery store for the first time it was yeah, really weird really. to see that yeah and it's like oh wow cool and so the first experience i had with all of that stuff was through just physical media like it wasn't an anime then and i didn't know how to access <laughs> it otherwise that's wild because they don't want to sell shonen jumps in myers now or like grocery stores yeah there was like a span of time where like you could readily get shonen jump and i i think that 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 ship has sailed already <laughs> yeah it was really cool magazines still out there though but yeah yeah it was cool because you could just you could just pick it up and then suddenly they would have samples from different things you had no idea like you had no access to otherwise you didn't know it yeah. existed like i read a manga called hikaru no go which is about mm. like the the board game go yeah i still don't know anything about the actual like, board game or anything but it was still really enjoyable to read another question because there was something i always wanted to do but i never got the ability to do i wasn't i was i never had the ability to cut out things from the magazine and ask my parents to buy it for me and then on occasion <laughs> they let me buy it and then i get a weird package full of stuff i bought in the magazine well, you explain that to me we'll let do me it live we'll do you. that for you <laughs> you know buy a magazine pick out the things that you want and then we'll we'll see All right, i'm we there yeah I, I i don't know what you're talking about to be honest <laughs> like, like you know like I see it on TV all the time. Yeah, like they, you you clip the little coupon out and then you put it in a little in a little envelope and you you mail it (laughs) some money and then eventually you'd get your like decoder ring or like your your Dragon Ball Z pin. Okay, I see what you're saying. I I don't think I ever really like did much of that myself either. I know that when I was younger, they had that like on cereal boxes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like if you cut off like a part of the. Because there was a time period where they took all the toys out of the cereal box. Yeah, and you had to mail in for them. That's right. You had to like collect like yeah. UPC codes or whatever. That's and, like, a, that's some liberal in. stuff. But it wasn't like <laughs> like cute Japanese things. It was like random, just kind of garbage. Yeah, <laughs> like a, yeah. a spoon that changes color in the milk oh. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lit. A lot of that lot of sounds sp- dangerous. A lot of color changing spoons. Yeah. So yeah, that's just something my generation never have is that we have the instant gratification of two day delivery. <laughs> you don't have to wait months. 
Yeah, no, that that's a new development. <laughs> Getting things out instantaneously <laughs> through the mail. He doesn't he doesn't know the pain of having to wait a week for a, a song to download. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. Explain that to me. No, let, let's let's save that for let's save that for another work. time. Let's <laughs> file sharing can be a whole separate <laughs> entity in, in and of itself. Having to wait like an entire week for uh, Giver anime to download and then figuring out that the file's broken. Shoot. That's, that's a pain I'm pooping a brick if my game takes longer than two hours to download. Pure <laughs> <laughs> <Tear> anger. <laughs> like every time I try to download anything that I bought for the Switch, <laughs> 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 it takes like five hours for it to fucking download. <laughs> Going back to like um, getting into anime in the 90s, the big thing for me wasn't Toonami or anything like that. It is a very off the wall thing that like, I think only like adults at the time really paid attention to. Sci-Fi Channel's uh, Festival of Anime was a thing that they would do every year. Started, God, I can't remember when, sometime in the early 90s. Every year during the summer, they'd have the Festival of Anime. And that's kind of where I figured out what the hell anime is and cultured myself in it. And so, you know, that's where I first saw like Vampire Hunter D, which is one of my all-time mm, favorite movies yeah. of all time. Uh, all-time favorite movies of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant wording, Josh. Um, <laughs> uh, Robot Carnival, uh, which is another one of my favorites. Uh, Project Aco, Tank Police, uh, Galaxy Express 3-9 movies. Um, all of that stuff. And a lot of stuff that like was more adult oriented. I didn't. Hell yeah. I watched more of the stuff that I probably shouldn't be watching um, <laughs> growing up than, than the stuff that was more geared towards kids because that's what was being marketed as anime at the time in like the early to mid 90s. When when I first started to get into it, a lot of like manga entertainment stuff w that was coming out you know, which was like one of the biggest distributors of dubbed anime because m most of it was dubbed back then. Sub, for some reason, uh, subtitled anime was like super hard to come by at the time. Uh, you know, a lot no of, one likes to read in America. Yeah. Well, fuck that shit. <laughs> um, a lot of that stuff that I, that I was watching, you know, it wasn't like your kids stuff and dragon ball and whatever I did. You know, I did watch dragon ball eventually. Power of friendship. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was, Stuff with uh, gore and uh, sexual themes <laughs> and all of that stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, it's interesting because I think in the, in the 90s, adults didn't quite understand. Like, cartoons can be an adult thing, so I, I saw things that maybe I shouldn't have seen. Uh, but I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm better for it. <laughs> I'm about to say, you're such a great guy now. So. Uh, oh, thank you, Yao. Thank you it for must have worked sarcasm. Out. A well-rounded uh, <laughs> educational experience for you. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't have that, like, television experience with, with it. I didn't, actually didn't even know that was a thing. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> massively influential on me. And I, I I would record it all on VHS so that I could watch it over and over and over <laughs> and over again. So I, somewhere Actually, I still have like VHSs of like mid-90s <laughs> festivals of anime. Yeah, that's that's a really good uh, subject. Not to cut you off, sorry. But no, I was just speaking with a really good friend of mine just yesterday, actually, about how, uh, you know, we would record things uh, on VHS and then trade them off with mm. friends uh if i, I had friends she... i would have done that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but just the, the the thought of trading off vhs's or dvds is such a 
it's an ancient concept. Now. It is, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't even. I I can't even. I don't even know how to like record anything on a tape. It <laughs> sounds like a challenge. That I'm not up for. Because now it's just like download to the USB. Yao, have you have me. you ever received or made a like mixtape or CD for anybody? <laughs> no. By the time I was old enough to like be that desperate for my music to be out there. <laughs> You could just put it on uh, SoundCloud. Oh, wow. It's, it, it just... And just download it, yeah. But there, I, I remember people, like, burning DVDs and movies. Because there's the movie guy over down the way by the gas station. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sells his bootlegs. But bootlegs <laughs> suck. And that's also, like, a fever dream. No one buys bootlegs anymore. It depends on you where you're at. It, people, it. people do buy bootlegs. <laughs> where? Who are these... Who has a DVD player anymore? This is Josh. It is... Two hours later, I am currently editing the episode, and I would just like to address the fact that um, I do have a DVD player, Blu-ray player, of course, because it's 2021. Uh, I do still buy physical media. I think that it's important to um, support the media that you enjoy. And also, we cannot rely on streaming companies to decide what is available to us at any given time. If I buy a film, I have it forever, and I can choose to watch it whenever I want to. And they can't take that away from me by relying on streaming companies to give us an allotted amount of things that they feel is worth keeping available to us. It limits our ability to experience media freely without the intervention of corporations deciding what is the appropriate thing at the time or the cool thing that they want to push on us. I think that by uh, continuing to collect physical media, we are preserving culture and preserving subcultures that a capitalist system might decide is not financially beneficial enough to continue to support. Oftentimes, which they end up stealing things from subcultures and bastardizing them into neat little packages of marketing that's devoid of all the things that made the subculture that they stole it from the special thing that it is. By doing this, we are refusing to give in to the narrow little focus group that corporations want us to be so that they can continue to uh, spoon feed us like desperate little piggies that they're taking to the slaughter. The slaughter being a slow spiritual death where we only consume music that is uh, handed to us on the radio or only going to see the summer Hollywood blockbuster movies instead of digging deeper to find something that feeds our soul and something that we can actually connect to on a deeper level. Not just blindly consuming whatever is put right in front of you by multi-million dollar corporations that spent millions of dollars to market a product to you so that they can continue to line their pockets and buy yachts. This is decades upon decades of mind control that's been perfected by corporate America. Ten years ago, when I bought Shozin Fukui's Cyberpunk Collection, which is a double pack that featured his films 964 Pinocchio and Rubber's Lover, which are two underground classics of the Japanese cyberpunk genre, I am actively choosing to subvert corporate mind control. Because you know what? Those DVDs are out of print. And I don't see Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus going out of their way to add low-budget classics of Japanese cyberpunk to their rotation of available movies. But I can watch it anytime that I want because I have it on DVD. So in response to Yao Main, I have a DVD player and I'm proud. I still have DVDs and Blu-rays. I collect records. I collect CDs. I collect actual physical comic books because I'm not going to let the ephemeral nature of the internet or the whims of corporate America dictate what I am going to watch at any given moment. We now return to the regular scheduled programming. Well, uh, I mean, there's a here's a good example. Um, I have a lot of family in the Middle East, and 
when I was younger going there, um, I would be there like every couple of summers or so. Uh, they would have like official like stores, like shops that were completely filled with bootlegs. So they were not like official merchandise. And if you wanted yeah. like to watch this film or whatever, you would just pick out whatever uh, bootleg <laughs> you wanted your, you just point to like the picture of the movie or TV series you want. And they would give you like a burned copy of it uh, for really cheap for like the equivalent of like two US dollars. And I'm pretty oh, sure beautiful. those places still exist. At comic conventions, there's always at least one like bootleg booth and they aren't supposed to be there. And I don't know how they get away with it because like when you're tabling at a, at a convention, there are specific rules that say, like, you cannot do things like that, like bootleg stuff. But they do it. <laughs> They're always there. Um, I've never bought it. It ain't illegal if you don't get caught. <laughs> Fair. But when you've got, like, an entire booth that's full of, like, DVDs with inkjet covers <laughs> that are very, like, grayed out and pixelated, <laughs> like, of, of stuff that, like, is out of print. It's pretty obvious. And so I think everybody kind of like turns a blind eye to it because uh, honestly, like to some degree, I think that a lot of what those like booths sell, not all of it, but a lot of stuff is like, for instance, like fan subbed Japanese like dramas or something or, you know, TV shows that like you can't get otherwise. um, You might be able to find on like a a drama website (laughs) of of some sort. But I I think they still exist because like, People are kind of sketched out about going to websites that are illegally hosting things. <laughs> now, now, though, like uh, at least in America, I'll say like that, at least in America, they're making it easy to find these kind of things. Like, because I know Crunchyroll is also with a subscription, you get the dramas, you get all the J dramas. Even Netflix is starting to get some K yeah. dramas and dr- dramas on there. The, so they're... I feel like slowly but surely, we're, we're trying to it's... suck off Asia. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, something we lost all those years ago when we like fought all those wars against them. <laughs> it's getting better. Uh, there, there, there are certain like Japanese dramas and stuff that I like, I want to watch, but like can't find anywhere. Still? Still. Like even. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. There's still some stuff that I can't find either. And it was so much more accessible before they removed like all the, the blogs, the rotation blogs yeah. that had them all cataloged. <laughs> it's like all gone now. <laughs> Yeah. Even if you used a Wayback machine? Oh, yeah, that's gone. I mean, because <laughs> the files would still have to be uploaded right. and mm-hmm. hosted somewhere. We're, you know, they were probably like share or they were hosted on like Rapid Share or something like that. And, you know, yeah, the, or like you send it. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Renting anime <laughs> was a thing. Um, yeah. My favorite part of that, and I've discussed this with Josh before, is that the anime wasn't like cataloged. So it was thrown all down with like cartoons. Yeah. And so adult stuff was like mixed intermittently in yeah. with all of the like stuff that wasn't adult. So you could like pick up a box and like, oh, cool. Now I get to see this like Miyazaki film that I've wanted to see for a while. And it's like right next to something really hardcore that has like, <laughs> the whole VHS box like out. <laughs> it's so it was just a wild wasteland back in the day. It, it was. was. Now yeah. you need like cards and stuff to get in places. <laughs> That was another way that I, I saw, like, stuff that, like, probably shouldn't see because, like, I don't think that, like, my parents understood that, you know, this is for adults. Granted, my parents have always been, like, very liberal about, like, stuff like that in, in general. But I think, like, 
particularly like some of the like violence <laughs> and stuff that I saw in some of the <laughs> some of the edgier the anime violence. that I watched. Like, I mean, for instance, like Fist of the North Star. I love Fist of the oh, North yeah. Star and uh, body parts just exploding <laughs> and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, my parents probably wouldn't have preferred that I watch that, but it was like it was a cartoon. 20, 30 years ago, like the knowledge about cartoons being this adult themed thing, it just wasn't there. So I would watch Fist of the North Star and it fucking ruled. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I think that like Fist of the North Star like had a lasting impression uh, on, on me and just in terms of like my love for like um, physical fitness and strength and things like that because everybody's just fucking jacked. If I can get strong enough, I can make people explode. All those bullies will finally get their due. You're already dead. So wait, did, did you have to hide this stuff or were you just watching it open and your parents were just like, whatever. I had a, I had a TV and a VCR in my room. Oh, Ooh, dang. Yeah. La dee da. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say, though, that like the things that had like lasting impressions from like anime that I watched as a youngster, Vampire Hunter D also did like a similar thing uh, in terms of gender roles <laughs> for me. Yeah, I can relate on that one. Yeah. Actually. Uh, you know, Yoshitaka Amano's characters are always very androgynous, anyways. And Vampire Hunter D is very much in that realm. And D is very, like, overtly masculine, but also overtly effeminate at the same time. <laughs> he's a pretty dompire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, that's the thing is that he's also part human <laughs> and part vampire. And so, like, I don't think that I had, like, the ability to, like, fully, like, process it at, like, 10 years old or whatever when I watched it. But, like, it's this character that's, like, existing between worlds it, with this, like, binary concept of, like, you're either this or this. And, like, D is just, like, stuck in the middle of everything and trying to, like, make sense of it. And I think that that had, like, a lasting impression on me because, like, I've never felt an obligation to do anything to be this or that, <laughs> you know, even though, like, I'm, I'm a straight white guy, <laughs> you know, it, I'm cisgendered, like, whatever, but I've never felt comfortable just being like the stereotypes of that. Like I've never felt like an obligation to stick to the stereotypes or, or the roles of being what society expects of that. And I genuinely feel that Vampire Hunter D kind of instilled this like acceptance in myself and this like pride in myself to just like be who I am and like straddle that line and not fucking worry about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if you, if you don't think that like I'm like manly enough because I like this thing or that thing, fuck off. <laughs> like, you know, fuck you. I'm a vampire hunter. I don't care. <laughs> Something, you know? uh, yeah, actually, that's, that's a really good point. I think um, a lot of anime growing up, I think it was really healthy to consume as a child because unlike, you know, Western cartoons, I feel like Japanese animation really pushed the boundary for both gender roles and stereotypes and mm -hmm. uh, gender identities and yeah. stuff like that. Like, you know, watching Sailor Moon as a kid, like I didn't think yeah. twice <laughs> about what I was seeing. Um, <laughs> it just kind of like I absorbed it and I went, oh yeah, that makes sense. And so yeah. I feel like that made me more well-rounded. So I, I really think it's like a subculture thing that I'm, I'm glad became more mainstream and accepted because I see that a lot of young people tend to really identify with these people. Even now, that's why like yeah. cons are full of so many like gender roles go out the gender norms go out the window when you go to a convention, right? Like people don't care. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, the, the only thing I really... Because as far as anime I watched, since it was all the mainstream stuff, there's only like one... There's a few good times, but the one time that sticks out in my head that really made me question life was uh, had the Haku Zabuza arc of Naruto. Oh. And you're like, oh man, Haku is hot <laughs> as fuck, boy. I, I, I'd be in that so quick. And it was like, I'm a guy. And you're like, frick. Time to rethink everything. <laughs> and that's when you learn that like, that kind of thing's a spectrum. You know, no yeah. one's 100% straight. No one's 100% gay. You did, you're like, you're on that, you're on the line. <laughs> that just, that broke my heart. Day, That was I beautiful. Still yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but as we all know, weeb culture is probably some of the most xenophobic and homophobic stuff you can get into. Absolutely. <laughs> like culture, yeah. when you get a bunch of people in the same room, it's disappointing every time. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I, that's that's like a whole thing where like I I don't tend to identify with any like subculture or anything. Like I've never felt comfortable like being like, I'm part of this subculture. And these are my Josh people. Josh is part of the blabbermouth subculture. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the corn subculture. <laughs> I'm part of the blabbermouth subculture. I stay uh, up on top of what Gene Simmons is saying uh, every two days uh, on blabbermouth. Uh, <laughs> like, Going to like comic conventions and stuff like that. Like I love comic books. I love superheroes and all that shit. Some people that I know that go to conventions, it's like, oh, I'm with my people now. And I've never felt that way. Yeah. Because like, you know, I can relate to that. I really can. Yeah. I just feel like out of place. And like when you're at the cons, like you can find people within your realm where Mm -hmm. they're also just vibing. Mm -hmm. They're just there for the good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it feels real out of place. I, there. I feel out of place I can, literally everywhere. <laughs> I can relate to that. And I know that, Josh, you probably feel the same way, but like as an artist who's tabled at conventions before, yeah. because I am a traditional artist who has like a style that goes in between, like obviously like Japanese influence from watching and absorbing all of that stuff mm-hmm. as a as a kid and like Western comic and illustration styles. It's, it's and then also being a traditional artist on top of it. Yeah. Um, I'm always like, in a row of people who kind of all cater to the same audience and I don't. (laughs) That's why I always have to like, I I take like commissions at the table and then I have to ask people like what their, I have to like Google what their character is that they're requesting me to draw like half the time because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime that, anytime that I walk into a room where it's like, people are assuming like, oh, we're all on the same page because we all like this thing. Mm-mm. In my head, it's like, no, <laughs> just because we watch the same show or read the same book doesn't mean we have anything in common because we might be watching it or reading it for completely different reasons. You know, as has proven to be the case with many of the things that I consume, I don't know. I think that people, maybe I'm being elite, but like, I feel like a lot of times people <laughs> like get the wrong things out of certain things. Uh, maybe only get like the most self-satisfying or or self-reaffirming or selfish things out of the things that they're consuming rather than like understanding like something deeper than themselves um and it, that's why it didn't work out for corn um oh, with josh fucking the, yeah. he he was you know he was very self-absorbed <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> never mind he knew he was the front <laughs> No, but I agree with you, Josh, uh, like in all seriousness. I, I think everybody takes something. 
identity is a really big part of what it means I, to be I alive on this I feel out of place in this podcast <laughs> because you guys you don't understand me. <laughs> this is now going to be called the Metallica podcast. Oh, God. Hosted by Josh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If, it, if it's the first album, Kill Em All, that is a classic of Bay Area thrash. Fine. The rest of it can go to hell. But not new metal. <laughs> we love it. Well, this has been a great podcast, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for visiting um, VHS tapes and uh, illegal file sharing and new metal with us today. Next week, we'll talk about our personas. <laughs> Mine's actually based off of a transformer. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> this has been an unlikely void. Our uh, special anime episode. Don't forget to follow us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com and Unlikely Void. Also, uh, you can check out our blog at unlikelyvoid.com and follow our Instagram at an unlikely void. This episode should be called Metal May because there's an equal amount of weeb talk as well as nerd, <laughs> guitar nerds. <laughs> Man, we, di- we didn't even get into like uh, the Animetal band. Um, that's I it. didn't even get into my rankings of anime and how angry it all makes me. <laughs> future future episodes to look forward to, yep, we, yep. everyone. Tune in next week, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I love you. I don't.